Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Fanny Lumsden is a singer, songwriter, band leader and video maker from the Upper Murray region of New South Wales. She has won eight Golden Guitar Awards for her music as well as her videos. She has won an ARIA for her third album, Fallow, and an AIR Award. Fanny is also known for her country halls tours and other stage shows. She's about to tour again to bring people the songs from her fourth album, The Wonderful Hey Dawn. I'm going to ask her about the album and the tour, maybe some other things. Hello, Fanny. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm really well. Yes, we're I'm speaking just really we're speaking just before the release of Hey Dawn. Um, but you know, people will be watching this after it's released quite possibly. So I'm actually going to take you back to your last album, Fallow, which was released on the 13th of March 2020, <laughs> and the world shut down right after that. You couldn't tour, and when you won the aria for that album, you were at home to receive it. That was a, a period of, I think, peak adaptability for you because you found different ways to bring fallow to people. But did you first experience a kind of shock that absolutely everything you had planned had to change? Um, to be honest, I think I felt delayed shock. I think that actually I felt the impact of COVID like a couple of years later. Um, I'm very much a person that, like, very optimistic. I'm a solution. I'm always for solutions. I'm insufferable, basically. Um, but like, I'm. All, I was very focused on what we could do, and what it meant that we could do, and what doors meant opened, and what it meant. And so I focused on that so hard at the time that I think that it took like, yeah, like a year or two, and for me to really feel like it. And it came out in very different ways. I think. But to be honest, one of the initial feelings, and I, I have to be honest, was relief, <laughs> which is ridiculous. I know. I mean, like I was devastated about all the press because Zoom didn't exist then. We couldn't do this. Um, like, or maybe it existed, but no one knew about it. Um, and so all my press was cancelled. So it's pretty dev about that, um, especially when you're trying to get the word out. Um, mm. But I was exhausted. Mm. I was exhausted. I was so stressed. I was, I look unwell <laughs> when I look back on videos. So I think I, you know, like a lot of people, you know, it's hard to say because I was privileged enough to be like in a safe space. So yeah, I don't know, maybe I needed it. So I know that's not the answer that you expected, but that's what the... <laughs> well, I think there's no, there's, there's no one answer to what happened then. It was just for you. It was the this ex exquisite, exceptional timing of the album coming out right at that point in time. Uh, but of course, in order to get an album out for releases, you are doing again now with Hey Dawn. It's not just, hey, let's record it. And it's fine. You do have to set up all that press. You are a self-managed artist. You have to plan all the tours. There's a lot of admin involved. So at the time the album comes out, I imagine, yes, exhaustion is a primary experience <laughs> for you. Yes, yes. It's like um like the next three weeks, like I'm just like readying myself because I just I know that it's just gonna be like full on and in a way that's not it's not about the tasks that need doing, like it's not me physically doing the things that I find exhausting. It's just because it's if I don't organize them, they don't happen. Like mm. and I think it's the like I think it's the weight of all of that that really takes it's soul it's not really the actual doing so if someone else was organizing them for me I'd be like eh, it's fine 
Like, but it's my fault if it doesn't happen. So like, and it's my fault if nobody knows what they're doing. So like (laughs) my other team, everybody relies on me. So I feel like that is where I find the stress and the weight of it. Yeah. And I should also point out, you're not not only doing that, you're running a household and you have two small children, um, one of whom you were pregnant with (laughs) when you, when you actually (laughs) did persevere with touring fellow around all these border shutdowns that were going on. Um, and you know, I, re- I remember tracking you on social media, you were heading to the Northern Territory and then you were doing here, you were doing the best that you could. But I'm actually wondering if out of that time where you were being so adaptable that you felt like if you could manage all of that, you could actually manage anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you just learn to prioritise, right? <laughs> you just like, I just, um, I stopped, I stopped worrying about certain things. Like I stopped worrying about like you have to sell out every show you have to do this. it was just like can we get to the show like that's all that matters um so I think it was nice in that sense um I did get a bit of fatigue after like so much like logistics gymnastics over the like that you know that time like I had like four like logistics plans per show and like that included like four budgets and like four everything so it was like it's quite an intense and then like just being peppy and on top of things and keeping everybody going through all of those changes I think eventually yeah took us all and it was in the northern territory like when the final one like was cancelled we couldn't get to it after we lost the caravan door and all of that stuff um and we went to WA with our friends and we just we were trying Dan and I were kind of trying to keep it working we kept trying and I remember we were at Lake Argyle and we were having a meeting with our label and um oh it's one of my kids um and um I like Dan and I just look at each other and we were like actually you know what we're not going to get that done that's not going to happen and then we just tapped out and um okay (laughs) hey you there Dan could be part of it it's just part of it isn't it yeah it is absolutely as I said you're running a household and you're running small children yes (laughs) um I mean like maybe Dan runs a household I'm just in it but um he's he's very very good at helping out um and parenting um but uh yeah so I think it was up then that we kind of I just kind of switched off and I was able then to write and start writing this new album Mm. because I kind of had to go but it took me a few weeks I was just like kind of I was pregnant in in the Northern Territory and then in WA and then I was just like staring for a while What I find interesting and perhaps beautiful about that writing process for Hey Dawn was that it came out of a fallow period. So your last album was called Fallow. Mm-hmm. That's an acknowledgement of how land works. You are a woman of the land and from the land. Mm-hmm. So that fallow period where you were you were on the move through WA, but you couldn't do any work, but then this new album arose. So that seems like there's a certain poetry to that. Yeah. I, I'm like nothing's really an accident. Like I, I kind of every decision I make is like we it's considered I think and I love linking things and making sure it has a narrative that kind of follows through so you know we we came back and we did the uh, fellow and variations tour and like on that tour we had a little logo which was like the little the two hills and like a sun um actually it's right here oh yeah um and that was like I already knew that that my new record was going to be called hey dawn so like I already that was like a little like just like a little intro and a little link into the next, into like into this world. Um, so, yeah, I think that, I think that it is nice that it has come from, come from that, from the, from the ground, if you will. 
<laughs> now you said during the fellow variations tour you knew that the album would be called hey dawn but from what i understand when you actually went to tasmania to start recording with matt fell producer matt fell you didn't know what it was called because actually the song <laughs> didn't exist at that point in time no. no i did not know what world we were going into um i didn't know what i was going to do for the first time right so when i didn't know if i was going to be called fellow but i knew what i wanted fellow i knew i wanted to create i had i wanted to create something that was beautiful and I wanted to create green grass running water in music form sunsets and sunsets, like this beautiful like mountainscape in music like mm. that's what I wanted to do and I went in with that intention and we were like so that's kind of this album I was like I have no idea what it is I don't know here's some songs they're not even finished like and it was terrifying because I'm, I'm never that disorganized going into recording um, but it was amazing. So Dan, um, Matt and I actually did quite a lot in the pre-production stage. So he's actually got writing credits on a lot of these songs because I wasn't really finished the songs. Like I finished the lyrics, but I still was like, I don't even know if this song is a song. And I'd play it and they were like, yeah, this is a song. Go and finish that. Come back. And so like in the afternoon, I'd go and finish the song. And, and so like, yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a process but yeah hey dawn came about so we were like we were probably like a week into the recording process and there was this big storm well like natural disasters just following me around um big storm all of these massive trees came down in so in tasmania um and like those huge big gums and i mean like thousands of trees came down um we got stuck where we were for a while there and all the power was out and then when we could get out um the power's out for like a week we moved studios over to the east coast um it's called and uh a guy called Pete Cornelius actually he's lent his studio very nice of him anyway I was kind of we did one day in there tracking drums and I was still a bit lost I didn't know where this world was going and what was happening and I just was feeling a bit uncomfortable about the fact I didn't know and I kept I feel like probably fellow was like its external success perceived success or whatever like was weighing on me which i didn't want to happen i knew that i i knew it, it shouldn't be i was like i know i need to make this as a new thing but it was and so anyway i got out one morning and the sun just peeked up over the ocean i was like as i walked out the door and i literally said to it i was like hey dawn and i said to the sun that i took a photo and a little video of the sun as it came up and then that day in the studio something kind of changed and i was just really like I have to tell these stories for what they are in this moment and that's all I can do like that is my job and that is my job as a songwriter and that is my job as a storyteller like you can't do anything else but just that is it and mm -hmm. so the only thing the only idea I had going into this record um was all I could hear and I'd been hearing this for a while was just like this one piano like kind of a little out of tune like in a hall just like nothing else and I could kind of see it um for me, it was that hall that we ended up filming the Haydon film clip in, and so out in the Hay Plains. And it was just like this, I could just see this piano and I could hear this sound. And for me, that really represented people coming together. It's such a childhood sound. Obviously, all the halls I play in, like this is what this thing was. I, I just want that sound. I knew anyone, that's it. But I hadn't put it, I hadn't found a spot for it yet in the record. Anyway, we're driving back to the other studio, which is like four hours, and we stop off at these little markets at this hall in the mountains. Um, and in the bush and there's like markets outside and inside and stuff and when I went inside there was this man sitting at the piano with a little red beanie on playing the piano is this playing and I was like oh that that that's it like that's the spot but there was people in community and I really loved that I was like 
well, this is this is the point because like, it brings people together and they're having a market and they're like, like I was like, this is what I was dreaming mm-hmm. about because like the one in my head was COVID where there's like no one's allowed to come together. And then, you know, I didn't want to record about COVID, but like, you know, obviously it affected everybody. So then he just sat there and he played for hours because he had this little DJ book that he had manually made, like songs, how they went into one into the next song. And it was like right. amazing. His wife showed me. And like, so I sat there and um, watched him. And then I went back to where we stayed that night. And there's a, oh, like a, a hut there, like a, like a log cabin. And, um, and I wrote Hey Dawn on the piano. And I was like, that, okay, we're good. This is the world. That is the opening song. That is how this is all tying together. Like, these are the story, like, what are we other than the stories we tell ourselves? And it is brought together with this like new moment and this new day. And I feel like I'm ready now. So anyway, it's a bit dramatic, but. <laughs> Fantastic. But it's also, I think for you at this point in your life as a, as a creator, and you create in many different aspects, you make videos, you create tours, all sorts of things. It seems like you have learned to trust, I guess, the universe to provide what you need and also trust yourself to recognize that when it turns up. Yeah, very much so. I was just waiting. I knew that the world of the song would turn up. I mean, of the record would turn up. I just, and it sounds a bit woo-woo, but like it's just me recognising my inspiration and intuition on things and finding the story and things. And I knew that it would happen. It just took me longer than normal. (laughs) And so I was a bit panicked because I was already in the studio, but obviously it needed to happen that way. Otherwise it wouldn't have turned out like this, right? Yeah. So, um, Yeah. yeah. But even um, what you described about recording in Tasmania, you're having to move from one place to another, driving four hours. That was like a microcosm of the process that actually you went through with the writing of it. You were moving from one place. It's just that those drives were quite a bit longer. And (laughs) yeah, you were traversing a continent, not an island. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Writing the songs. I feel like, you know, like I wrote a bit on the road, um, you know, like I wrote a few of them. Uh, but a lot of the inspiration happened for me, I think, when I was, and I just, you know, you just process a lot of stuff when you're moving through country, I find, and I get a lot of inspiration from it, but I also am able to process. Um, I'm also able to think clearly when I drive. Um, I'm, um, you know, I my, my brain is very active <laughs> um, and I find it hard to focus sometimes. So when I'm doing something, I can, that's why I find driving very, very good because I'm doing something, but I, my brain can finally think on a track. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um and because you do that a lot and then we're in beautiful countryside and I just find that the most kind of helpful mm-hmm. I think to process everything no I, I mean I'm going to be reading some questions because I I wrote okay, for questions it. for you because you're you know I think your work deserves a lot of consideration with questions so please forgive me if I'm tracking over here but um your your albums have always contained some stories about you and the people you know as well as I think Ryan compassionate takes on human nature uh but on Hey Dawn it seemed as though you were actually looking more at your interior life and I'm wondering if that's you know you talked about the world of the song but for me just seeing listening to the songs it was more about that upwelling from you but also looking within if that makes sense yeah I think I think that the last few years has really like put a lot of things in perspective for a lot of people um and I think also I've just like the way I songwrite um always lends itself to that um like I it's very much based on like I don't really sit down and go I'm gonna write a song about this mm-hmm. never never do I do that I write pick up the guitar and something falls out of my mouth and my and then I'm like oh okay we're we're doing that right and then it'll grow into something or I'll you know maybe that's 
like grows into another song or something like that so it's very like I very much try and kind of do like a subconscious kind of song song like kind of songwriting um and so yeah I think that the last few years has really lent itself to kind of self um reflection and um and I think it's just my age as well you know like just my stage of life as well I think it's just um it's just where I'm at like I kind of I did all the observation stuff uh, which lends itself to country music um on my first two records and I'm at a different stage now and I I want to talk about different things so yeah uh, and I'm also wondering if as I said you, you have a wry and compassionate take on human nature and, and uh, tending towards the compassionate side I'm wondering if you actually practice that towards yourself when you're writing songs and creating things or are you quite tough on yourself No, I think I, that's a really interesting question. I don't really, no, I don't think I really judge it that hardly, hard, mm. <laughs> hardly. Um, I don't think I judge it that hard, to be honest, because I try and make it a much more like, um, like a yes process. So I think the way that I learned to write songs was many, many years ago, I said yes to every single idea. Mm. Um, and so I wrote some wacky songs um, that were terrible, but like it kind of taught me to just trust whatever kind of comes out um I do listen back obviously now and um you know try and edit a little bit but not too much um I'm pretty up myself so <laughs> you should be <laughs> no 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 no. I mean in the in the way that like I want things to be better I mm. always want to be mm. making things that I, I want to be getting better like I never want to be going backwards or making the same thing so like I suppose I am in some ways yeah it's not conscious <laughs> now the first track you released as a single was millionaire um and the first single from fellow was peed in the pool and i actually think that spiritually they are related because they're part of your origin story um millionaire though is just a great memorable song about first car first job all sorts of things being young wild and free was it always going to be the first single uh yeah it was i think i just wanted to go out with something really high energy and like something kind of quite different to the fallow world um but you know obvious it's linked through all the ways um mm. but I I just I just love that idea it was summer the song is based in summer it the song feels good I wanted just something to go out that felt good and it wasn't too deep and like in its message like I didn't want to have to be like this is about something la 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 I just wanted to be like yay <laughs> it's a fun song that we wrote um and so and like to be honest, the writing of this song wasn't too deep either. Like you know, I found like usually I work out what songs are about after I write them. Um, and so, but this one, like the words, just like that chorus was part of a different kind of melody for a bit. And then I wrote that like guitar bit, like the do 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 do, and then that like thing about my car and just kind of flowed like I just kind of that whole verse kind of came out of my mouth and I was like oh writing it down and then um and then I had the melody as I wrote the melody for the chorus the millionaire stuff kind of was from another but I just fit so well and just kind of came out when I was doing that too and I was like oh I, that's where that's meant to go great like that's what that song's about and like I just I honestly it's not it's yeah it's I just meant, wanted it to feel good yeah it did and so did the video which was a whole lot of Yay. fun <laughs> yeah like when we did that I knew I needed to connect it to me and my story and like said my origin story and, and yeah. um to make it 
make sure that it was grounded in what I do and what I like how we project everything. And I hadn't I hadn't done a video around the river before and it's been a huge part of my life. And I just like around that river, like around the Murrumbidgee River, which is like, you know, big brown flow river on the and it's dusty and hot. And like that was part like every summer of my childhood. So I knew I wanted to do that and this song felt perfect. So I did used to tear around in my little day with Chielo. <laughs> Your forest green, forest green day with yeah. you. Um, now, your music has an impact on many people. One of those people is Brett, who has booked you to play at his funeral, even though he does not appear to be dying anytime soon. Um, and <laughs> turned his song inspired When I Die, your song. Uh, sorry, is his story inspired your song When I Die? Um, what was it about Brett that inspired you to write the song? Or was it just the fact that he wants to have his ashes shot into the sky and have you play at his funeral? Yeah, pretty much such an epic story. Um, I hadn't, again, I hadn't planned to write it about him, but the story was just rattling around in my head and mm-hmm. because it was happening in real time, um, like I'd already, we'd already had two loads of wood from him. I'd actually interviewed him um, for my, like we we started making a podcast for Fallow, but, you know, I got lost in the weeds of it and like we had, like released a few episodes. And so what happened is like when I was, doing the episode for this two shall pass from fellow um was in two parts and one of the first part was quite heavy because we interviewed a lady that went through the fires here and her perspective and I wanted something quite light um so then I was like oh my god we should talk to Brett about this thing that he's like his funeral because he like that whole story had unraveled um and uh and he and so I was like because you know it's just another look on like this two shall pass like you're gonna pass too and it was just this nice kind of twist on it and so we interviewed him um, and made it a podcast and the story, yeah, is just rattling around in my head. So then when I was coming back across the Nellabor, um, like eight months pregnant, <laughs> uh, one night we were camped and there was no one for miles. And I just had a campfire and Dan was like putting Wally to bed, I think, in the caravan and, and I was just out there in the middle of nowhere on my own and I just, this song just kind of, yeah, fell out of my mouth and, yeah, it kind of, yeah, it's been amazing. <laughs> Well, and Brent appears in the clip, as does your father, um, and it is, <laughs> is a very fun play on band composition, that clip. And I've got to say, because you and Dan Stanley Freeman, your husband, collaborator, um, have won awards for your video making, you're self-taught, um, these videos <laughs> tell stories as well, but it always, always looks like you enjoy doing them. Oh, they're so much fun. Um, that week we'd actually, it was pretty hectic. I was pretty exhausted because we'd just, the week before we'd shot two videos. We'd been on tour. We shot two videos out West and then like in like overnight and then came back and put on my sister's wedding at my parents' place, which was like massive, like 200 people, like DIY in the garden. Like my family did the whole thing. Like it was epic and so much fun but like we had that and then we had my brother's 30th straight after like on the Sunday night and then the crew all arrived and we did a really epic 16 hour shoot the day before like after all of that and then we shot Brett's clip at the very end so I think we were just like all a bit like crazy by then um and it that clip we did in two hours it was amazing we just like went up there I knew I wanted my whole idea was I just wanted Brett at the front because I wanted just that different take on band plays on hill um but like has to be Brett singing. Um, but then, yeah, my dad and the other like neighbours were just standing around and I was like, oh, you should just jump in. That, that be, get on the bass. And then, because Dan was like, I want to play drums. And, um, and then I obviously played drums on some too. So then, yeah, they just rocked out. It was great. 
Uh, whenever I think of your dad or see your dad, like in that clip, I think of him at the Golden Guitars the year you won many Golden Guitars and him and your mum with the green woolies shopping bags. <laughs> I the awards. I always think, did they have them in the boot of the car just in case and then they had to run out and get them because you won so many awards? Oh, my God, so funny. No, that was where we brought the snacks in. We, I was like, Mum and Dad, this show goes for a really long time. We're going to need snacks. And so Mum was like, oh, my God, I don't have any bags to put the snacks in except for what I bought them in. It's a Woolies bag. And I was like, just bring it in. It'll be fine. And so then that's why I had a Woolies bag. And oh then she God. just chucked a golden guitar in there at the end. It is also my favourite video. I'm actually going to share that again. I love that photo. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was, it was gold, gold, gold for Australia, as I like to say. <laughs> should have got a sponsorship from Woolies from it not too late not too late um speaking of family um ugly flowers is your most recent recent single and it is about family and appreciating details I think there are embodies themes that run across um the ambit of your work which is appreciation of the love you have in your life appreciation for your family and your ability to um, notice those details and the opportunity to be with people you love was there one single spark for that song though or was it just the feeling of all of that coming together yeah it was the the cakes on the table yeah it was the seven um, cakes. yeah yeah the seven cakes um actually as a coincidence there was seven in the song and seven on the table because I actually hadn't counted the cakes um on that photograph so there's a lot of different photographs of the same variation on that theme right um and I just had been thinking about that as a like just had represented everything to me I think all those cakes on the table of my of my childhood and uh, yeah I was actually my kids were I was like in the lounge room my kids were always playing around and Dan was doing something and I just that chorus kind of came out like that um and then I think another thing was separately kind of had been kind of I've been thinking about and talking about was those things in your childhood that you changed your mind on, like what you deemed elite when you were kids, like, you know, like they had a roller door on their garage, (laughs) you know, like the little things like that or like they got uh, roll ups in their lunchbox elite. Um, Just really funny. Um, And in ground pool felt like the pinnacle, just Mm -hmm. like, well yeah they've got a pool and it's in ground (laughs) um and so I was just thinking about that and how your perspective changes and it kind of feeds into how everything in your life changes color when you get older right like the sometimes the colors become much more vivid and sometimes they fade and I just think that's interesting and how we I was also talking to my mum about family um and she was telling me some stories about things that I had always believed a certain way and then you get told this story as an adult and you're like wait what (laughs) I have the understanding now to see what it is as an adult doesn't change the story when you were young it's just like it's completely different color now um and so I'd been I'd been having a lot of these kind of conversations with my parents and my family um and asking them lots of questions and so like yeah I I was changing perspectives I was really moving on things and it kind of coincided with my grandma passing away and the cakes and then the whole song kind of coming together. I think you kind of said it's perhaps your favourite of your songs that you've ever, you've written mm-hmm. or one of at least. Yeah, I think so. I think it's um it's one of like they're all like they're all favourites in different ways. I think um I just think that it's like it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward song. It's not really like that um multi layered or difficult to understand. I just 
Um, and it kind of came quite easily, I think. So just felt pretty raw. I think with all of your songs, though, they're not difficult to understand because you're interested in clear communication to your audience. I mean, <laughs> my perspective is like you're, you want to make sure they're receiving the story in the way you intend it. Yeah, I also think, though, like I don't, I never, I just, I just assume intelligence, I think, with everything that we do, like, and if you don't get it in some level, you'll get it in your own level and it doesn't matter, like, it's just like your interpretation. Once it leaves me, it's everybody else's to interpret, so it doesn't really matter what I intended, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> some people might beg to differ. Some people might be like, oh, you're pretty wordy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect amount of words now from the the title track opens the album and from there we roll into the glorious great divide which is track number two um and it contains along about a line about how about where you live which is west of the great divide and that's where the wild run free and the quiet can go to hide but i kind of get the impression that you are both running free and hiding a little in your patch of the upper <laughs> road yeah definitely um I think that is the beauty of the mountains and the beauty of living out here is that you can be wild, but you don't have to talk about it or show it, right? You can just be wild in your own way and it feels it feels free. It feels wild, but you can do it quietly. Um, you can do it whichever way you want. Um, it's also like I have to acknowledge Montgomery Church on that line because I definitely ripped it from them. Um, I just, well, actually the line came out when I was writing this song, like it came out of my mouth and I was like, there's literally no other line that has to go there. Like that is the one. Um, and so like, you know, there have been snowy mountains as well. And that that record was about the snowy mountains. And so it's like a nice little nod to that. Um, but yeah, it makes perfect sense to me as well. So I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> um, now your brother Thomas Lomston is an important part of your recordings and your live shows with his beautiful harmonies. Um, it did sound to me that he is more, even more present on this album in terms of the layering of his harmonies behind you. Um, so I'm guessing that Hey Dawn is the start of the Tom takeover. <laughs> He'll be happy to hear that. Um, yeah, it is that, that we have had a lot of requests for I Love Tom Pat. Um, He'd be backing that for sure because he's the one that makes commission off merch because he's the merch seller. So, uh, now he's such an integral part of what we do. And I was very um, just like, I really wanted to push harmonies more in this because it's such a huge part. Like it's always been part of our recordings, but it's often been mixed back a bit. Mm. And this, and because when we play live, it's such a massive part of what we do. Um, like it, like I very rarely play solo because of it's built on harmony for me. Um, so, um, yeah, I really wanted to make sure that we showcased that a lot more and we mixed it higher this time. So, like, when we were mixing, I was always, like, going back with notes about I was like, I can't hear Tom enough. Like, I need more. Like, we need more of that. And so, yeah, it was a very conscious decision to make that more. But I will I will take note and I will hold up because, we, you know, we've got to control his ego. No. <laughs> Uh, well, look, the harmonies work beautifully with yours. There is always that factor of sibling har harmonies, which anyone who's seen you two sing live together can attest to. Um, but, yeah, he's a he's a wonderful addition. Um, he is. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need me to tell you that. Um, and I'm sure he doesn't need me to say that either. <laughs> no. It is nice to hear it, though, I think. It's nice to hear it. Like, we kind of joke about it, but, like, you know, it's 
you, you get stuck in the weeds, so it is kind of nice. But, um, yeah, I can't imagine a live show without him, to be honest, and I think everyone would probably revolt. <laughs> and also he's often the one leading the, you know, dig. Yeah, the dance <laughs> and everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we touched, I touched briefly earlier in this conversation about your standard of achievement, um, and I have a question specifically about it because you've now made four excellent albums, and I want to acknowledge how difficult it is to do that uh, because <laughs> I think um, it means each time you have to consciously try to improve on what you've done before because the default position for humans is actually status quo. It is a lot easier mm-hmm. to just even think the universe moves in that direction. I had a maths teacher once who said that the that your room is messy because that's that's actually the natural tendency of things in the universe is to move towards mess if you don't do anything to improve that. So you move away from mess. You move towards excellence. <laughs> Not in my house. Not in my house. <laughs> but also each album is different. I mean, that's how you're moving it along. You're you're moving the stories along. You're moving your audience along with you. But I just, I, I guess it's me acknowledging that this is like a triple axle jump, as I like to call it, for artists, or what, like winning an Olympic gold medal back-to-back. Um, um, are you conscious of trying to perform that triple axle jump every time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to be better every time. I yeah. do. And I um, I don't want to make the same record. I didn't want to make Fallow again. Like I knew my the very conscious jump was the last jump. Like mm-hmm. I knew going into Fallow that I had to be good. Like it had to be good. Like I was, I was like, I have to go make something good now. Like I can't be like the underdog who drives around a little caravan forever. Like that's boring story. Like, um, and then this record, look, it was, it was. I just like will always just focus on telling clear stories, telling my stories. Never, I'll never like um, waver on that. Like I don't care who I'm working for or with or what the algorithm bullshit is like I'll never like I'll take a hit on that every time I'd just rather have less streams and songs that are truly me and like to the point where sometimes I've taken a tangent here but sometimes when um like say we're recording and maybe I don't have a word or a line and say somebody else has suggested and I go with that line in the recording there's been multiple times on this record on the last record where I have gone back after recording and change them to my words because I was like, I can't sing that line. It and there's some that I've left on on previous records and they make me cringe. <laughs> like I I they like physically I'd like <laughs> when I get to that line because it's not authentically what I would say. And if it's not authentically what I would say, it just for me is not worth it. Like I just it's I know that's it's just I like obviously someone who wants to make a lot of money is like okay bye <laughs> um but like I don't know what's the point for me I could, yeah so mm-hmm. can I remember what the question is now what are we talking about the triple axle jump are you consciously oh, trying yeah. to yeah I am I'm yeah. trying to yes I am yeah I, I just believe you've got to get better like you've got to improve like I just what's the point of saying the same <laughs> yeah it is the harder path though because you do have to consciously keep yourself sharp I think that's part of it is actually holding yourself accountable and thinking what do I do here? It's 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 constant movement. So I'm like I'm wondering if you were like that as a child. If you were never complacent as a child if you kept moving. I am like that as a human. Yeah. Um, just ask anyone around me; they'll, they'll be like, "Yeah, like poor Dan, just constant lists." Um, 
I, it's not about getting better though. I think, I don't think I focus on that. I don't think I focus on like being the better person or being better at this. I just, I just want to keep moving. Like I just want to keep going. I want to explore something else. I want to explore something different. Um, and one like you know like the last record like I said I wanted to make something beautiful this one I wanted to make make music that felt good like mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that every song felt good and it felt like it was it matched its story and like I didn't really I, I haven't really felt bound for the last couple of records by like the sonic direction at all obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not like it's not bound to anything it's just we're just making whatever feels right so yeah, there are some different sounds on this album for you, um, I, but I think yeah, my overwhelming response to it was I would catch myself smiling at various. <laughs> I was like, I'm, sm- I'm sm- oh, I'm smiling because of the song. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. So that yeah, you so get cool. the feelings, the feelings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that there was no bit in the song that was like I didn't want to phone any of it in. Like I was like, we're not phoning any lyrics in. I'm not phoning any like any part of the, like the musical part of it like and I'm actually think I'll do a little go through each of the songs and, and show my favorite bits of every song because there's a bit in every song that I go yes! like I love and like there's like you know for it, the song Lucky there's this amazing harmony arrangement in like the second verse um and it opens up oh it gives me goosebumps it was actually Patty's decision on that and I just he's just he's, it's magic like I love it so much and then there's like you know, like the instrumental in Great Divide is that was written by Ben Corbett, um, who's collaborated a lot with us. And I just honestly, that could be one of my favorite parts on the whole record, too. It's just that instrumental. I just like, oh, makes me feel great. So, like, yeah, I just wanted it to all feel good. But yeah, made really conscious decisions for everything. Mm-hmm. As I would expect, because I think you do mm-hmm. act consciously. Um, now you are taking <laughs> these arrangements on the road um, for a few shows. But before we talk about those dates, I would like to ask you about Glastonbury because you've just returned from your first ever UK and Ireland tour that included playing at Glastonbury. So I imagine you enjoyed it. Honestly, I just, I was just telling, I went in my family, we go like after somebody's been on a trip, we all come together and you like give blow by blow for the whole trip recount like and everyone sits around the table and it's like a whole thing um and so we were having that at dinner and we're at Glastonbury chapter we did in chapters um and we're in the Glastonbury chapter and I honestly cried when I was telling him about the live show that's how like it's just it was so amazing I just I can't believe that I got to go and play like the Toowoomba Hall um on the country halls tour and then like three weeks later go and play at the biggest festival in the world to like a packed audience like they like there was people there waiting for us to start with, which we did not expect. We expected it to be empty. And then they started coming in and then they just like, were, they just packed it all the way out. And then they were like, yeah, doing all the dance moves and like singing and like, you know, like they'd hear by the second chorus, they'd be singing the song words. And I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Mad. Um, so it was beautiful. And it was beautiful being there with my band. Like they've just done so many kilometers with me and, um, they have done so many halls they've slept on floors they've like been paid shit all um you know like they've earned it so much and I just was so proud to be able to take them with me and then I felt so proud to have them representing what we do on stage live because they just all smashed it they were amazing so yeah it was great 
Well, as I've seen your live show um, many times, I can completely understand why that audience responded to it. And I also do appreciate the work the whole band does. And as I said, you're heading out on tour around Australia. Um, now, the problem I would imagine you are having at this point in your career is that you have to leave some things out of a set list. You now have four albums <laughs> to choose from. And you're always going to upset someone who really wants to hear Land of Gold, for example, if you leave it off. So how difficult is it um, to do that set list now? Because you obviously want to focus on the Haydorn songs, but people have their favourites. They do. It's hard. It's so hard without making the album, like the set go forever. Like, um. Yeah, I'm actually really struggling. Like I wrote the set list and sent it to the band, but I'm already like, that's going to change. <laughs> learn all the songs from all the albums and then like they already know the previous one. So I was like, learn all the new ones because I'll probably change as we go. Because I, yeah, it's hard to know which ones are the old ones to add. I probably should do a poll. We always have done Land of Gold and I was considering dropping it off this set list because I was like, you can't do them all. Um, and I do want to do most of the songs from the new record, um, but we can't even do them all. So we'll do some in the VIP part. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how people do it. I'm sure like artists all around the world are, you know, multiple albums in and choosing their songs. So, um, yeah, it's hard. Be selfish. I think I'm just going to choose the ones that I want to do. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen your show, they should know it is a show. It is not a gig. Like this is a this is a yeah. beginning, middle, and end arc of a concept. It is different for the country halls tours to what you do for. I mean, Hey Dawn will be different again. So, do you conceive of it that way? It's like, like obviously, you have your set list, but are you also dreaming up that arc of the show as you go? Yes, 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 yes. The whole show from the start to the end, I want to kind of be an experience. Um, we've, we're doing a really cool uh, thing this time uh, called, we're doing a, um, and I can't remember what we're calling it, The it's like a the story room or like, yeah, um, it's like this little a story like box. It's not called that, I can't remember what I called it now because I'm tired. But anyway, we're building it today. Um, basically what it is, is um, we've got like, we're building this like little booth, a story booth, that's what I call it. Um, and it's going to be next to this uh, merch desk. And what you can do is audience members or whoever goes to the show can go into the sto story booth and there'll be like prompts and stuff on the wall. And then you can record a story, but it's a little telephone that you pick up and then you leave a story. Um, and so I'm really excited to see what that does um, because, you know, like the theme of this record overall really is like the story we tell each other, the stories that are told to us and the stories we tell ourselves um, and how they shape us, I suppose, and how they change over time. So I was like, let's collect stories as we go. So that will be very cool. Um, excited to add that. And, uh, yeah, then we've got some really beautiful support acts. The support acts, I, like, you know, I wanted to kind of reflect the record shape and style as well. And we've got different supports on every weekend, which is really fun. Um, like, that's selfish for us, really, because we just wanted to see so many artists come and play. <laughs> um, and so, like, yeah, I consider that in terms of the tone of the album I and mean, of the show as well, like who's going to be playing first and what kind of act they are and if they kind of feed into the, the new songs. And and then, yeah, obviously, like the backdrop and the stage set and um, and then the arc of the show uh, will be kind of changed around. I feel like I have a little bit more time to think about it now. When I was trying to design it, um, we were overseas touring um, in Ireland and UK and I was a bit like, um my brain got a bit full but um yeah 
I'm, I can I can see clearly now. <laughs> well, uh, you are heading out on tour uh, with tour dates on your website. The album Hey Dawn out 4th of August and it is a triumph as all your albums have been and it's a privilege for me as a music lover to listen to such music um Honestly, Fanny, you make my day. <laughs> so I'm not even going to pretend <laughs> to not you. be a fan or be impartial because you're inspirational. And I don't mean that in a trite way. You really are a figure, I think, who inspires a lot of people because you produce excellence, because you bring joy and because you entertain and you tell stories and you connect with people. So thank you as a fan and also as someone who's interviewing you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Can I ask you your favourite? Do you have a favourite? Oh, so at the moment it's Great Divide. And I think that's just because my, like the smart, the smiling <laughs> kept going yeah. on. But it will change because that's the nature of listening to the change. album. Is that it does, yeah. It'll, it'll move on. And yes, because I also because I love Millionaire for so long when it came out as a single. So I think now I'm yeah. moving on from Millionaire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ugly Flowers um, is also having its moments, yes. Um, We actually just went up this morning and filmed like some footage and stuff for a great divide above the fog when it was frosty mm-hmm. as the sun came over the mountain this morning so yeah i'm in a great divide mood as well fantastic <laughs> well <laughs> if you're sharing your great divide mood with me today it's been great to talk to you thank you thank you so much thank you for your thoughtful questions and and for caring so much about artists and their songs and their work it means a lot my absolute pleasure <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.